Hello and welcome to Salopcast. Myself, Ollie Warner and Glenn Price. Hi, Glenn. I'm all right, Ollie. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Interesting week as a town fan. Some highs, some lows. Plenty for us to discuss today. Um, just before we kind of go through run through your gender, um, obviously at the end of the last podcast, and I surprised you that we're now on Spotify, um, we did like a kind of a bit of like a challenge, like who can be the first five people to follow us on Spotify. So thanks to Chris Hudson, to James Wilson, to Rob Jones, to Ollie Dalton and Martin Williams. Thanks you guys for, for following and you're our first followers on Spotify. We're now up to um, like nearly 70 followers on, on Spotify now, Glenn. So that's good for those guys that have that app and who use that service. So another way we can kind of get out to the listeners. Yeah, you were saying it's, it's possibly an easier way for people with Android devices to get on with getting the podcast, isn't it? Sort of an easy way to yeah. do it. I, I got an iPhone, so I, I obviously use the iPhone stream that we've got. But yeah, fantastic. It helps get the uh, podcast out there a little bit more and makes life easier for our, our followers. Then yeah, that, that's great. So um, yeah, hopefully they'll be they'll be on Spotify this week listening to another podcast, Ollie. As you say, a busy week. Um, let's, yeah. let's start with the, the main one, which you, Ollie, is you definitely picked the wrong game to miss this week, didn't you? <laughs> and not only that, the furthest away. <laughs> yeah, true enough. You could have got to Stoke. Yeah, it's, it, you know, we were going to obviously talk about what was an historic night, really, at Stoke. And um, I went in nine, and then fortunately you missed that one. And then we sat by each other at Blackpool. So, seen a fair bit of each other each other this week, Ollie. But yeah, it's certainly been, as I say, certainly been a crazy week. Yeah, it has. So, we'll cover the Stoke game, we'll cover the Blackpool game. Um, we'll have a little bit of a round of where we are and what that kind of means in the league. Yep. Um, we'll talk about transfers, um, and then obviously we'll talk about um, the looking ahead to the Wolves game. Um, so yeah, plenty for us to discuss, and yeah, lots going on in the um, in the salad world. Super, let's crack on. Sean Wardy then from twelve yards scores. Very cool penalty. Cool. So Tuesday night. Um, Shrewsbury Town went to um, nearly called it the Britannia Stadium there yeah. um, but the Bet 365 famous hunting ground for Shrewsbury Town and yeah the, there was a um, I think it's fair to say a surprise result um, <laughs> especially for those fans at half time and Shrewsbury beat Stoke 3-2 um, to go um, to the next round in the FA Cup so um, fantastic result and um, yeah, obviously you were there Glenn so um, yeah, yeah what, what was uh, you got a few stats yeah it's going to be an interesting one to talk about because it is generally you know I could say this right up front now, like most town fans were there. It goes into my top ten experiences watching Shrewsbury Town. In all honesty, Ollie. Um, so there's a lot of things that went on in this game, but the narrative of it and the way it happened. Obviously, going into it with very little, you know, hope, and the way that we won the game. There's, there's all sorts that went on that put it into that bracket. I think. So I think at the end of this, I can kind of summarise why I, 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 I'm going to hold, hold it in such high regard. But um, yeah, you know, one, one of the main ones re- reasons is it's the first time we've come back from two 0 down in an FA Cup game. So you know, that's that's historic enough on, it, on its own. And interestingly, in that game. We had three shots on target, Ollie, and we scored all three of them. And we need to score three, so there we go. Um, so yeah, those were the stats, really. But I suppose the most interesting thing, and again, you were—I think you were probably listening to it on the radio or something, Ollie. But um, was the was the team selection really? Because I think after the Charlton game, we were maybe expecting, or there was an outside chance that Waterfall wouldn't start. So um, I'll ask you that question in a minute. But the, the team was really sort of a four-five-one um, with Arnold in goal, uh, Bolton, Sadler, Waterfall, and Haynes at the back as usual, and then Grant behind Doxy and Laurent, who were sort of behind Fane, Gilead who were a little bit wider um, and then Holloway up front so you know did you did you ever think at some point we might see Beckles Waterfall no you didn't no, you <laughs> no. Right. I don't think he's going to drop him I don't know why I just don't think he is no he, he, he seems to be uh, ingrained in the team doesn't he and it's, it's going to be difficult to dodge him and he, he was terrible at Charlton and, and I'm going to come on to how poor he played in the first half as well that um, you do wonder but um, so that was the team really I mean we obviously had a few changes in the sort of attacking positions as well with, with Gilead coming in I mean that was probably all we expected really I think there was some discussion Loft might have played but um, 
probably that was all we really could do looking at what we've got at the moment in the early yeah it was um it wasn't too surprised that we yeah we obviously a little bit different obviously kind of played with wingers um it's interesting that Faye was left wing that was obviously a bit of discussion online yep. and among the fans interesting one i don't know obviously your top goal scorer your biggest threat you know playing on the left wing but i think there is something to say about his development and him learning the game um you know, he can't be offside there. <laughs> um, but I think there is something maybe about helping his development and getting him to understand a bit more around the game. And that's something that I know that um, Ricketts has been talking about. But were you surprised he was playing on the left flank? I mean, I, I, I think it's probably worth talking about how the game started and how our, our tactical setup was just so, I don't know, negative in some respects. I mean, we, we, we couldn't lay a finger on them really. And, and you know, Faye was playing left wing back. He really wasn't getting up the pitch at all. And I think the reason he, he was he was playing there is they just needed the cover at the moment because it was Stoke after Stoke attack really but you know he obviously didn't play there in the second half and, and got a goal and played a lot better so it's, it's interesting to see that he kind of played two positions to me if you look at the first and second half of the Stoke games he played way better in the second half because he was more attacking so to me yeah I don't think we should really be squandering his, his attacking skills too much in, in a defensive setup like that but um, you know it was a Stoke FA Cup game against a, a team that should beat us I think it was maybe maybe more of a one-off really Oli because he's yeah I think if he plays wide yeah. um, I'd rather see him play as a front three mm. wide yeah. rather than a general genuine like left old school left winger but anyhow there we go um, it was a trial that didn't last too it, long it didn't last too long thank thank goodness for that and it, it's a trial that didn't last too long and then prompted some some mad mad second half but i think it's, it's first probably important to say that this was the ultimate game of two halves ollie i've never known a half versus another half be so disparate in what happened but we were abject absolutely abject in the first half a continuation of how we played against Charlton in all honesty and um, we were lucky to only be 2-0 down in all honesty so yeah Stoke controlled it from the off they had all the ball um, they just pushed us back and deep they controlled the ball in their own half they passed it round Charlie I watched the game back yeah. um, watched the whole game and Charlie Adam was just I don't know he was just almost like I nearly said playing with himself but <laughs> you know what I mean he was just like running the game himself wasn't he and he was just he was just doing worldy balls everywhere yeah. with like you know, and they were quite. There were. It was interesting the way that um, that Stoke played because obviously they played. Um, the manager was playing for um, Diamond four four two Diamond mm-hmm. at um, Luton, and he's taken that to Stoke. Though apparently he changed to four five one against Leeds on the Leeds on the weekend. But they 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 really pushed their fullbacks on, didn't they? Yeah. Which meant that Faye and Gilead were actually really really deep defensively. Took them out of the game. Took completely took them out of the game and we weren't good enough to break Ollie and then break on them when they were stuck up the pitch. We just were too static and and disjointed to be able to take any advantage of the space that they were leaving us. We just we just weren't good enough honestly in the first half and um yeah, it, it, it was a couple of chances, but it wasn't. Yeah. yeah, overall, like they absolutely dominate possession, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, and, and dominated chances as well. I mean, first chance of the game came where they put a ball in and a sort of combination of Holloway and Crouch headed it, um, and it went in. You know, right in front of all the town fans. But luckily, uh, Crouch was just sort of offside. Although I'm, I'm still not sure. I haven't watched the replay back whether it was just Holloway headed it straight in. But on the night, it looked like it was an own goal. But um, that was ruled out. And I say that was an early warning shot. And and you know, I'm going to skip through first twenty minutes. I mean, they had all the ball, and it just felt like a matter of time until they were going to score. In all honesty, Ollie. Um, so you've watched it back. You probably would agree with that. And um, when the first goal game, first goal came, it really did feel just like, well, like, I was kind of expecting that. And how bad is this going to get, sort of thing? But um, first goal was a bit of a shambles, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't the best, was it? It was quite a poor, um, quite a poor header. Yeah, it wasn't great. No, that, no, that was the second goal. That was the first goal was oh, where Warfall yeah. got pulled out of position. He went out to try and close. Oh yeah, and they both kind of fell over yeah. and kind of parted like the sea. <laughs> And then it got stuck under Sadler's feet and took a couple of fun, yeah. funny deflections. And yeah, so first goal was where um, um, I think it was Campbell, wasn't it? Really good finish to be yeah. fair. He got him sort of goal side then and scored. And that was the first goal. And 
you just sort of started to worry about it. And Waterfall just was then all at sea, really, after that first goal. Campbell was worrying him. And Sadler, to be fair, Sadler wasn't great either. And, um, the, you know, the way they were playing, the pace, they were pulling them here, there and everywhere. And Waterfall sort of lost his head a little bit. He really made a few mistakes um, that almost cost us. Very similar, again, like it happened at Charlton when someone ran at him with pace. He just, he was really struggling. And, and town fans around me were getting really, really annoyed with him, Ollie. It, you know, this that, it's still underlying current of the mistakes he's making at the start of the season. And, you know, he has recovered his form a little bit, but there's, there's still an underlying dubiousness, I think, in our fan base in Luke Waterfall. And it, that came to the front as well. And, and another player that came to the front was um, Gilead as well, who probably was one of the players that tried to run at them and actually have a go at Stoke in the first half. Probably the only one of our attackers that did. Problem with it is, he's just too stupid, Ollie. He just ran into man after man after man. And any slight good opportunity we did, he just wasted It's interesting the ball. that um, Mark Elliott has often talks this about this, about Gilead, that you know he's got all the attributes to be a really, really good professional footballer. Mm-hmm. But he just makes the wrong mis- decision yep. time after time. Yeah, it was, it was so frustrating. I mean, town, town fans were getting frustrated as the game, as the first half went on, with quite a few players, to be honest, because a lot of them were having stinkers. Holloway as well, we'll come to in a minute. But that, that wasn't great. And as I say, from that first goal onwards, it was just like a training session, Ollie. It was, it was men versus boys, all the football cliches you want to make. We couldn't lay a finger on them. It was a bit embarrassing. Um, there was absolutely no desire or commitment, I didn't think, either from the players once once it went one, and especially when it went 2 0. Um, again, we talked about. Um, we talked about Ricketts saying, I won't send a team out with no fight. And in the first half, we didn't see it at all. Obviously, the second half changed that. But yeah, it was it was a bit pathetic, Ollie. And the second goal came. Again, it was just like, well, this, this is going to be bad. You know, I talked to my mates. They were saying, if it gets to 4-0, should we go home? Another one of the mates I took him in a car was sending out work emails on his phone because he was totally bored. You know, it was really, really dire, poor stuff. You know, the tactic wasn't working. The, the players weren't working. And I say that second goal, you just briefly mentioned the poor header from Waterfall. I mean, he could have headed that ball anywhere but where he headed it, really. And he put it back onto the penalty spot for Campbell to volley home. I mean, unforgivable bit of mistake, that really, for Waterfall. Yeah, I think you've been slightly no, hard, but again, terrible. it's the context. It's the con. <laughs> when you watch it back, it's just like the. It's different, isn't yes, it? When you watch a I game, agree. and it's like the same. It's the same like with like the fans who went to Blackpool. They're a bit angsty and they're frustrated. They just spent five hours in a car, and then the other guys are like, "Well, we drew away," and it's it's and then obviously you've got that that frustration of watching him play yeah. live, um, which is always that that little different element of kind of your position. So yeah, I think maybe slightly harsh watching it cold <laughs> like a day, but I understand your frustration. On the night of spitting feathers, Ollie, it was it was so annoying and so rubbish. You know, we'd come all the way to Stoke against a team that are not in great form, and we wanted to. Try and progress in the cup, and it was just it was pathetic, as I said. This first half, um, I say we hadn't we didn't have any chances in that first half at all that I remember that were any good. The attacking unit was dire. Holloway was terrible. Yeah, we got into the final third a few times, but as it's becoming incredibly boring, um, we yeah we were quite inept yep. in the final um, final third again. Yeah, and I was looking for positives really, and just in that first half, the only one I thought was Haynes had a decent first half. Um, yeah. He played well in the second half as well, but Haynes was was solid. He's, he's really offering us. I say we mentioned this in the podcast the last few weeks now, so it's probably not labouring the point, but definitely improving as the weeks go on. Um, and that was it. Came up to half time, they got booed off, which was completely fair, Ollie, because the performance was that bad. Um, and then as the town as the town players and the manager came off, the tunnels right by where the Shrewsbury fans were, there was quite a lot of people giving Ricketts some grief as well because it had been that bad um but little little do we know that he had a master plan up his sleeves on <laughs> and it was really funny because um um you'd put a tweet out which i replied to at the time um saying i understand i could see what he was doing mm. 
um, in terms of like changing up, getting Faye up and bringing, yep. going for those three cent defenders. You weren't so convinced at the time. No, and I have to say, you can't say that anyone was very convinced with what that substitution was. You know, we brought Beckles on for Holloway, you know, another defender for striker. And on face value as a fan who's 2-0 down and you've seen your team get absolutely murdered in the first half, you know, in, in the, you know, you've got to say context is king, haven't you? You know, in the in the moment we were all in there, everyone was just, you know, thinking, what on earth are we doing here? What are we, are we shutting up shop? We don't want to let four or five in, you know, it's going to dent our confidence. I mean, you didn't really see that maybe Ricketts had seen that there was an opportunity to try something different and um, exploit the, the space that they were leaving us with their high press as well and their, their high um, wing backs as well. And and it did work out quite well. I mean, it didn't work straight away. I think the first bit of the second half was still... And that was, for me was a surprise. Yeah. We were chatting about this on Saturday that um, I you know, watched the game back and I expected, you know, um, second half us to come out, you know, like, um, you know, like the, like the cavalry. Mm. <laughs> and it didn't happen. No, it no. didn't happen for quite a while. No, it didn't. I mean, we'll come to Bolton's goal, but Bolton's goal changed the game. But up to, up to that point, you know, it, they they still dominated that first ten minutes, that half, and and in first ten, yeah, and then slowly came in, didn't we? We did really slowly. Yeah, it, so Ince meant it's missed a cracking chance to go three 0 up, which would have completely killed us off, I think. And it, and it was a sitter, um, and you were thinking, Christ, we've got three centre backs on the pitch now, and we still we still can't stop them pulling us apart. But they did there, and, and as I say, even though we were slowly growing into the game, and we looked a bit more confident at the back with Beckles there, he seemed to sort of give Waterfall and Sadler a little bit more assurance than they previously had. Um, that was fantastic, and then I think we did start to get a foothold. You say after that first ten minutes, we had a little decent spell before the goal. I think Faye hit the side netting, which was which was a decent little yeah, chance. Yeah, it was a decent decent chance. And yeah. I remember tweeting at the time, "Oh my god, we got a shot!" You know, it was that. It was still that was the first shot we felt like we'd had in the whole game. Um, but Stokes still had a chance. Adam had a long shot, and Arnold made another save. So there was still that they were still getting chances there. But it really was that Bolton goal on what was it sixty sixty seven or something like that. I'm just looking what time it was now. Um, 71 yeah so we'd, we'd gone through quite a period of that first half just slowly building into it and it really took off from that Bolton goal and you know we can talk about the Bolton goal and it's, it's going to be one of those ones that people remember like Nolan's last year and, and numerous goals over the years but it was just a piece of quality when it was most needed yeah it was a super strike and it's really weird because the kind of the ball kind of moves slowly but and the noise it makes when it hits the back of the net um, was was immense it certainly was I mean it got the noise got ratcheted up and up and up as that second half went on but you know it was just quality you know a, a, a lad that's a, a Stoke uh, fan you know from from youth scoring at the Britannia against his team didn't particularly celebrate did he sort of ran back and the sort of few players sort of pushed him in the chest but, but Alan Shearer yeah which I don't blame him because it's you know, Stoke are his team but um it, it was just. I think you don't think you knew what to do. I think you just run back. Yeah, well, I, think, I don't think he was thinking about getting the game on again and getting back in the game. I think it was just like, wow, well, that was just class. And it was a nice little move in the build up to it. Sort of shuffled it across the pitch and took took a chance. And and the keeper just doesn't save it. It was as top corner a goal as you can possibly get. And there was that little bit of belief suddenly, it, and it seemed to come through the fans. And and the fans from that point onwards, Ollie, did not stop singing and chanting for the game. You know, and we'd been pretty good, even though it had not been great in the first half. But, the atmosphere had kind of been okay, and the second half it was much better. I think we thought we'd sort of try to give them a bit of backing, but but the final twenty minutes of this game was just magic as a town fan on the night. It was really really good, and um, I say that first goal gave gave us this sort of chance to to kind of back them now and get them going. And it seemed to just I think Ricketts talked about it at the end. He talked about the fans trying to carry him through the game, and it it certainly worked because you know it was only six minutes, and in between the the, the sort of two one goal and the equaliser, I think we had all the ball. We we had another sort of half chance. We dominated the ball and Stokes suddenly looked a little bit ropey and you, you did see looking at the game thinking we're at, we're actually right back in this considering we'd been smashed off the park for the first you know 55 60 minutes of the game 
we were suddenly back in it and, and Stoke must have known they dominated so much and had not managed to put us away properly that that was part of why they suddenly started to just not be very good and they couldn't get to grips with the tactic we were playing Ollie. Um and they didn't change it initially and, and same this this sort of 20 minute period well 10-15 minute period we had then when we sort of blew them away in the game um, just came at the right time so yeah 2-2 um, penalty Ollie. no debate for you on, on the penalty no it's no. clear pen clear pen yeah great little burst by Laurent as he, as he got into the box and um, he started playing much better in his advanced position and uh, yeah defo penalty for me Faye wanted the ball straight away got up picked it up walked to the penalty spot No. yeah but he's the official penalty taker now for sure exactly I hope um, so Rick had said that in the week oh that's good um, yeah yeah, that he he wanted it, and yeah, he 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 is the kind of the first designated penalty taker now. Good, you know, he was number eleven for the season. Stepped up, and I just felt on the night he wasn't going to miss. Just felt like think something was starting to happen even then, you know, and uh, dispatched it straight straight down the middle. Really, keeper keeper had no chance, and um, that was a noise, Ollie. The two two was a, was a right noise. I turned around, and a friend of mine, Andy Davis, who I took, he was putting his chair down as everyone was celebrating. I was like, "What's he doing here?" I was like, "Is he dropped something?" Or and he was putting his chair down to get up on his chair to celebrate on top of his chair. He was having one of those moments, and it was like you know, looking around and seeing everybody just losing their mind, thinking, I, "I can't," you know, you couldn't believe what was happening, Ollie. You'd seen it be so one sided, and suddenly to think we're two two in this game, you were incredulous. You really were incredulous, and. Um, I didn't really do anything for the rest of the game from 2-2. I just watched the match. I was completely engrossed with it. I wasn't on Twitter. I was just focused entirely on the match that was happening in front of me because it was just a pure magical sort of 20-25 minutes as a Shrewsbury Town fan. And um, yeah, I, I say what even watching the replay back, it brings a smile to your face, that second goal, doesn't it? Yeah, no, it was brilliant. And yeah, you guys must have been going absolutely mental at this point. Yeah, as, as, yeah, as I said, everybody was. So so that was that. And then, uh, yeah, 2-3. It was literally four minutes later. And, it, and again, we, it doesn't, from memory, <laughs> being at the game, and I was completely losing my mind at this point, I don't remember Stoke really having anything in the game in that four minutes. I think we got the ball back straight away and started passing it around and just looking for that opportunity to it. And, you know, it was it felt like a four four glorious minutes I put, and, and it was capped off by what was a great move. You know, a little nice little move across the pitch. Um, I, th- I can't remember who nutmegged uh, Ashley Williams out on, on the wing. I can't remember what it was now. It might have been Faye put it into Doherty, and then he just rolled it across to Laurent. And as it was coming across the goal, you'd seen the keeper move, and and being as it was in the goal in front of where the town fans were, you just knew he was going to score. You know, and there was almost like an explosion within that fan base, within the stand that happened before we'd scored. It was really weird, Ollie. Like people were. There was that one second of like mentalness before the ball hit the back of the net, and that made it so special. And 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 as I say, then it was it was I, I described the noise on that third goal as like when McIntyre scored at um, Berry, the really key goal in that game, where you know there was what three thousand fans there that day, should be fans. It was just raucous, and it was pure noise. But it was that combined with the sort of madness of the ongoing story last season of sort of I can't believe this is happening when Nolan scored at Charlton. It was like a combination of those two, which make, makes it for me that goal, that third goal, is going to be one of those special goals that I never forget, Ollie. And and, I, and honestly, it was it was a great great moment. You know, <laughs> you know, it was obviously everybody knows, but it was it was fantastic being there on the night. Yeah, so it sounds like it was a, an absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. Um, was anyone injured? Did everyone make it out all right? Apparently, there was someone that uh, posted a picture of his tooth. Did you see that on Twitter? No, I, I, this was genuinely. I didn't actually know that. I didn't, that wasn't a leading question. I genuinely asked that. Someone had the tooth knocked out in the celebrations. Yeah, so they, they went for a big time. And um, you know, you couldn't really run down to the front and get with the players because there was like a whole block of seats that had been sort of portioned off. We weren't allowed to see him, which was a shame. But it actually meant that all the town fans were really clustered in together. And it- yeah, it was a bit like um, Newcastle, um, Sunderland away. Yes, where we were like, you looked like you were really rammed in again, which is really. It odd. was pandemonium, though. It really, mm. it really was. And um, I, I just kept saying, I can't believe this. I, I can't believe this. I'm going to play a bit of audio into the podcast now, actually, which is me screaming on the, on the third goal, the reaction to, to the goal. And I think it's quite interesting. Oh my God! I can't believe this! I can't believe this! 
and I'm sure that everyone that was there on the night will feel like it and even people who were sitting home listening to the radio my dad didn't come like you Ollie I offered him a, a lift up and um, he was sort of gutted I was talking to him after the game and he was like we were just punching the air listening to it on the radio and I'm sure that you know everybody across Shropshire who was listening to it must have realised how massive it was for us as a as a club, really. I mean, you know, it's, and all over the world. Yeah, exactly. All around the all around the country. So, and that was it. And I, I put, I'm supposed to be a pundit, you know, a pundit, whatever. I'm supposed to be talking about Shrewsbury. I don't remember the rest of the game, Ollie. It was only minutes left. You know what I mean? And it was just we sang, we chanted, we gave the Stoke fans a load of grief. You know, as you would expect, the usual sort of chants. And it was just a brilliant, brilliant atmosphere. Um, and then on the final whistle, the place just went mad again. And it, I don't think it really stopped going mad between the third goal and the end of the game. And and it just was. Oh, I don't know. I, I've run out of superlatives, Ollie. Might as well just leave it there. It was just, it was just a brilliant, brilliant night. I, I loved it. Cool. So, who was your, who was, who was your man of the match? Who was your top three? My top three were Haynes. Um, I thought across the whole game, he was the only player that was consistently good. Um, as much as the second half was brilliant, the first half was very, very poor. So, I thought Haynes was consistently good across the whole game. So, I wanted to give him some recognition for that. But then I went Bolton second. Um, he was, he was all right across the whole game, and his goal was just very, very special. And Doxy, who, who kept trying to run throughout the whole game, but was really good in the second half. I'm surprised. Surprised you haven't got Lauren in there because I thought he had quite an effective game. I he had a very he had effective game in the second half. But I think the Doctor's drive in the second half was more important to us getting back into the game personally. But it was fairly okay. close between them, so each of their own really. And on, on Stoke Ollie, I might as well just have me view. I thought they were quite mentally weak. I thought you know a decent team would have put us away, and um, you know any any Championship team that weren't you know coming off the back of losing a manager and all the things they've got going on. I think looking back, that probably helped us really. They just weren't quite on it. Um, and yeah, that, that was it really. I thought Crouch was awful, and I thought the guy that scored two goals, he was pretty good to be fair, and he looks like he's got a big future ahead of him. Um, Campbell, I think his name is. So that was it really on Stoke. Um, and yeah, that, that, uh, Ricketts post-match interview, he was absolutely buzzing, wasn't he? And he said, "I'm extremely proud of the players." Um, he said, "That's probably the biggest comeback win of my career." Um, on a personal note, it's definitely up there. He says, "I don't like to do football cliches, but it was a game of two halves. First half, we did not play at the tempo I wanted to get close to the Stoke players, and we let them do what they wanted to do." I made a tactical change at half-time and the players took to it and you saw the team growing belief in the second half. It was still the principles of trying to frustrate and then steal away on the break. And in the second half, we did it superbly well. Bolton's goal kick-started it and it gave us some belief. And as I said, he also had some really, really positive words about the fans who, on my view, deserve a huge amount of credit for that result, Ollie, because once we got that first goal and we really got behind them, we, we just helped carry them through. Um, and, and it was great. Great, great old night. Great old night, which I will remember for a very long time, I think, Ollie. Cool, cool. And yeah, and those who were there, who weren't there were obviously sulking, like myself. Yeah, I know. Um, I don't yeah. want to say it was too good, Ollie, because it makes makes people upset. But it but it is funny, though, because <laughs> it's just one of those things where you feel like you missed out. Yeah. Which is funny. That's, and that's that's the thing, isn't it? You know, we would never... There's not. I, I still would refuse to believe that there is one Shrewsbury Town fan who was in that stadium that night when we went in at half-time that thought there was a, a single chance of us coming back to win that game. I, I, there can't have been anyone. And I saw someone put on Twitter that someone had put a, a bet on when, at half-time when we were 2-0 down for Shrewsbury to win. And I think the odds were 102, 103 to 1 or something like that, some random thing. It was over 100 to 1. Um, and he put like a fiver on and won a ton of money. So there was someone <laughs> that believed it, but I still think that maybe they just thought, well, it's, a, it's an off-hand bet that might come in. So, um, yeah, yeah that, that was mad, really. But um, And that's the thing about it. And it's just, it's almost like a drug, isn't it? It is. Yeah, and, and because like you, you, you're addicted to that kind of that moment, that special kind of that celebration, that kind of that memory and that shared connection, which kind of drives you to all the kind of the other games that kind of aren't aren't 
that isn't the same. Yeah, if that but, makes sense. But also, you have to go and endure those other games to make that moment so much more special. If you were sort of yep. a part-time fan, you didn't go very much, and you turned up to that Stoke game, watched it. I don't, I don't think you know. If you're a fan; it's going to feel good. But I think if you went to some of the awful games that we've been to this season, then you know, even the Charlton game the previous week, if you've been to those games, it's the, that's the context in which makes that result even more special, really. And it was, it was funny because after the game, I came down under the concourses um, with the lads I was with, and we were all just sort of high-fiving and going, just chatting away and just disbelief at what just happened and then you bump into the same usual guys bumped into a guy called Scooter that we've talked about before on the podcast who's a town fan I've known for years and then bumped into Dave Matthias who's been on the podcast and sort of went up to him and gave him a big hug and everyone was just like such high spirits and just absolute joy and you know that doesn't dissipate for quite a long time after the game you're still sort of buzzing as you go out the stadium and then I went out a bit further in Radio Shropshire I think or you know they do the sorry Shropshire Star were doing the, the video thing where they film fans after the game and Sean Evans who's been on the um, podcast as well was there with a guy called Simo and I sort of blundered straight into the middle of them as they were about to start talking and sort of high-fiving and they were like do you want to come on I was like no no, no I'll, I've got to get out back because I've got to drive but it was just it was fantastic and you know, there's a few other people whose names I haven't mentioned as well and it was one of those moments to say that will, that will stay with a lot of town fans for, for a long time really so we had a 50 minute walk back to the car and it just felt like walking on air Ollie it was fantastic cool mm. cool so we go from that to, um, <laughs> to League One football oh jeez it's contrast this week very big yeah. contrast isn't it in terms of results I mean it, it could not have been less entertaining the game on Saturday, could it? But I'll, I'll let you do a bit more talking on this one because I say we were both there. But go on, run us through what happened on Saturday. What was the score, Ollie? It was nil nil, <laughs> and there was um, thirty one thousand fans, um, five hundred from Shrewsbury. Obviously, the boycott um, is continuing with um, Blackpool, and we feel sorry for those fans. On that, Ollie, I, there, was, there was a guy outside giving us leaflets, wasn't there? Sort of saying, "Please yeah. don't buy anything in the stadium," which. Personally, I'm more than happy to support. I think what they're doing is right, and I hope that they get their club back one day. So yeah. I didn't spend anything there. Cool. So a couple of stats before we go into it. So, um, yeah, Blackburn were winless um, in the last nine games against Shrewsbury. Mm. Unfortunately, Shrewsbury have only won one in the last 17 away games. Um, <laughs> and um, Blackpool had lost their last three home games in all competitions. Um, that does include being thrashed by Arsenal, but yeah. still, the home record is not great. Um, obviously there was that um, revert to kind of three at the back and wing backs for Stoke and unto surprisingly um, we reverted back to that kind of formation so for those who weren't there haven't seen the game how do we line up because obviously you can make quite a few changes midfield from this kind of formation um, it was um, we had we had Beckles, Waterfall, Sadler at back three um, Bolton and Haynes for, um, for the wing backs yeah. Grant sitting uh, Norburn and Doherty is kind of like two tacking midfielders mm-hmm. and Lauren and Faye up front um, sometimes um, one of them dropping um, to make it kind of 1-1 one, one up front. Normally Lauren dropping, wasn't it, to be fair? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, and obviously, um, you know, it wasn't just um, Shrewsbury Town fans um, at the game. There was also quite a lot of Rangers fans, wasn't there, as well? <laughs> um, I was At one point, I was starting to get, before the game started, I was starting to think that I might get a little bit tired of um, a Greg Doherty chant. <laughs> said, I said to you at one point, I'm starting to hate Greg Doherty today. But um, yeah, it was funny because these, these Rangers fans initially came and sat in the row in front of us, didn't they, Ollie? Um, all tanked up and, and chanting halfway up the stand, which I thought was a bit odd. And then sort of an envoy from our singers at the back of the stand came down and invited them to the back, didn't they? And, and up they went. Um, it was weird. I was seeing something on Facebook today about how there was some like really weird stuff being chanted at half time because um, obviously it was like anti-IRA stuff or whatever from sort of thing you used to hear back in the day but uh, it's probably just because the Rangers fans were embedded in our fans and they were sort of egging them on to do these sorts of chants I didn't hear it at half time so I can't really comment on it but to be fair they helped get the atmosphere going and they certainly helped get the Greg Dropperty chants going which was, which was good but weirdly I don't think he had his best game unfortunately did he but we'll come to that no he didn't have a very good game that free kick he had 
um, was atrocious. <laughs> it went about 10 metres wide along the ground. So, yeah, we'll, we'll scoot through this game fairly quickly because yes, I think it's more with. about the talking points rather than the discussion. Mm. Um, but I think it's really fair to say that um, we started really well. Yeah. First 20 minutes of the game is probably one of the best that we've played for a while. Um, and what you couldn't really tell watching the game live Glenn but when you're watching it on the highlights the pitch was atrocious um obviously our eye level in the when you're in the stand it, it look you could see a bit more green but when you're from the the camera angle there was a lot of brown mud on that pitch it's well known as being a poor yeah. pitch isn't it Ollie it's been like well they don't invest now. in their yeah. infrastructure do they? they don't have the money to do it at least um, it was all sand like every year when we went there <laughs> yeah yeah so it wasn't great um and but that, that 20 minutes was definitely our best bit of the game I thought, yeah you know. we, we played really yeah. well um the kind of the highlight of kind of was that Laurent chance and um, yeah. just in front of the six yard line where Bolton did a cut back and he absolutely fluffed his lines yep. um and I was tempted just to leave the game there well yeah <laughs> that was kind of the best chance of the game and that kind of just summed up um our the, the game and and it just sums up the season that, you know, we do all this great work and we get to the final third and we just cannot finish. Oh, we die. I think I put on, on Twitter and we're talking to you in the game saying, as much as Waterfall gets a lot of clog, you know, Sadler, Waterfall, Beckles, Bolton, Haynes is five defenders that we could probably rely upon enough to not let enough goals in to get relegated if the other end was firing. Do you not think? But the main yeah. problem is we do not have enough goals in this team. The midfielders don't score enough and the strikers definitely don't score enough. And it's a combination of a lack of ability, a lack of effort, I think, from some players. You can certainly point a finger at Angle about that and sometimes Holloway. Um, and a, a, it's just a general lack of... I don't think it's a lack of effort. <laughs> I, I've just seen a some lack of cruise around in a few games. It's not effort. I think we're, we're working hard and we're creating chances. That makes it even... Like almost some ways, it kind of makes it even more frustrating because we we get into these situations, we create chances, and we just fail to score consistently. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're all crap. All the strikers other than Faye, and even Faye is in and out and gets offside. He hasn't too much. scored for a while now. No, other than his penalty against Stoke, but in the league again, you know, the record. Yeah, we're talking about the league here, so yeah. Sorry, just for, to clarify, when we're talking about some stats and stuff, now we're talking about the league. Yes, yeah, you like to talk about leagues, that's it. And I mean, you know, you were looking at it the other day about how we haven't scored from open play in the league for absolutely six games yeah, now. Fifteenth of December, wasn't it? You said. Yeah, fifteenth of December. It's over five hundred minutes in the league. We haven't scored an open play. That's terrible. Um, and you know, like in some ways, it gives us hope that we could turn the season around. We're not going to get relegated because um, we are creating chances. Now, if we weren't creating chances, oh my god, um, I think we would be really going off the deep end about this team. Mm. Um, but we are creating chances. But you know, we've played um, fourteen games um, away from home now, and we've only we scored twelve. Yeah, and that's just not that's not a lot of goals. Um, yeah. Even like Bradford um, and Oxford have scored more than us, and that's just not. It's, I, I would consider Ollie that pretty much all the teams down the bottom of us probably have a better attack in a unit than we do. I suspect that if you looked at Wimbledon, you know they probably haven't got a lot of money to spend like us, but their defence is probably worse than ours, and they've probably got a few more goals. I don't know. I'm going to have a look at that this week. But I suspect yeah. that in terms of what what options you've got to score goals and be finishers, we've definitely probably got the worst array of finishes I think and um, you know we pointed this out in the summer didn't we Ollie it's not like anyone didn't know it was happening and we're now reached the 20th of January and, and it's frustrating that we still haven't done anything in terms of other than bringing in a, a, a we'll come to the transfer in a minute we brought another striker in haven't we who came on later on in this yeah. game but his goal scoring record doesn't exactly fill you with confidence so it, it does worry me that we might not invest the money that we should invest and if we don't 
could be the thing that gets us relegated. And, and then, well, you know, it's hard to yeah. it's hard to sign a striker anyway. It's, hard. it's even harder to find a striker when you're relegation battle yep. um, in January. Um, so we we just kind of finishing off the first half. Um, Norburn wins the ball. Really good. This was a really good attack. Good account attack. Waterford wins the ball in midfield. Passes to Faye, who puts Lauren into the box, who fires over. A decent effort, but again, it still needs to be on target. Um, and then Waterford was wide from a corner. So that's the kind of first half. That was it. Sec- Blackpool had no chances in that first half. We no, sat there no at half time and we were like, all. they, you know, as much as we're talking about how frustratingly poor town were, we were the better team in that first half and should really Oh, yeah, we were the better team overall the they, whole game. I think that's fair to say. They were dire. Um, they were dire. Um, which for me adds a little bit, dents that argument about, oh, you know, we've got a good draw against a team that eighth. Bolton were, uh, sorry, Bolton. Blackpool were dire. Yeah, awful. Um, yeah, absolutely awful. So second half, um, we just can't repeat the same tempo, can we, in nope. chain transcreation the first twenty minutes. I don't know whether it was just leggy from Tuesday with you know, we've been consistently talking about the fitness of this team and yeah, it's just the same kind of things again. So we had a good chance for Lauren, but Blackpool bodies on the line. That was a really good block, to be fair to them. And then Lauren was through on goal later on again. He wins the ball himself. Um he he's through on goal and he shoots at defenders' legs. Um Mm. And it's just really frustrating um, that we're having the same things. Laurent was definitely a player that polarised Town fans on Saturday, isn't it? There was a, a, a train of thought from a bunch of Town fans to say, well, he worked quite hard and he got in positions and he was running he at them. But, you know, fair enough. Go back and play in midfield. If you're going to play him as one of the two most advanced players, it's no point. He's got no finishing ability. I mean, he's got no, Stoke, but... finishing isn't good enough. <laughs> he was like five yards out. That was out. a pass into the net. Yeah, um, exactly. And, and I, th- I think Laurent's a good player. I think he's got yeah, potential. Yeah, but yeah. for me, he's, he's not a... F- He's not if he if he's a forward he needs to start taking his chances better because his his chance conversion is not great. He's not, um, he's not a then yeah, in terms of highlights, Blackpool hit the crossbar and that would have been an absolute sucker punch. <laughs> that would have been horrible. If they'd scored then, um, but overall, um, like we're not going to we're not going to hang around on this game no, too much. No. We're just going to try and do a bit more analysis on it. That overall, I said that I think that we were poor in the final third, failing to create chances, and I think this would maybe just stay there for a little bit, Glenn, because. We are creating chances. So I was having a, a chat with um, Ant Thomas this morning and, you know, it does give us hope that we are creating chances and, and you know, Ant was keen to kind of say, you know, there, there are positives in that and I think you'd probably agree. But it, but when, you, when you're a fan that goes home and away, seeing those missed chances, it just kind of, it, it, it kind of, con- it contributes to the negativity and the frustration among the fans. I find, I find it more frustrating. I mean, I've known Ant for a long time, I've, you know, known him since I was in my sort of early 20s. And I've had the same argument with him on Blue and Amber, on Facebook, on Twitter over the years as, you know, social media platforms have changed and also to face-to-face. Ant's quite a positive character and he thinks if a team's playing well and creating chances, it'll always come right. Whereas I'm, I'm, I go to all the games and I watch these these things happening and I see us creating chances and missing them and actually it worries me more. I, I think that it's fine. We can keep creating chances. We haven't got the players to score, so we'll keep missing them and that that will get us relegated. And uh, I think over time it's been proved that it's not really about creating chances, only. it's about scoring goals football at the end of the day. Well, that's what it's funny. <laughs> Funny, um, yeah, kind of linking back to last season is that that's one of the things that was the kind of one of the strengths, wasn't it? Yeah. It was a team that took its chances. Exactly. Um, and we, and we, you know, we are creating enough chances, which suggests that, you know, our midfield is potentially good enough. Um, but we just, you know, uh, what we would do for, um, for, was it Taylor who played for, was it Taylor, was it Taylor who played for Charlton at front? Mm. The big lad at front yeah. or Boise from Burton, you know, what we would do to get a player like that and, 
fingers crossed um, that's what's going to happen well, that we're going to bring someone in but that's what we say yeah, most weeks Oli we, we watch the opposition teams we're playing against where there's not much between the teams sometimes and we say oh well it was that forward it was probably just the difference yeah. wasn't it they had a bit of King quality Stanley. You, could, you couldn't say that about Blackpool though <laughs> no no their striker wasn't very <laughs> it was impressive. awful I don't know what his game was all about and he was a big cumbersome bloke up front I think I don't know if he's new into the team but he didn't look like he ever played with them before so yeah. Yeah, we don't want this guy in Blackpool thing but in all honesty you know Moisa is not playing at Bristol City and he's got a very good goal scoring record in League 2. You know, if we had the money and, and, and his brother could at least do us a favour, that looks like a decent bit of money to be spending. Or, or, it wouldn't be money, we'd just get him on, on loan because he's, he's, they're trying to loan him out. You know, There are players out there, as much as people say we can't afford to do this and we're not going to be able to find quality players. Well, we, we, as fans, we know there are some quality players knocking around there. It's not about whether those players are, are, are out there. It's about this football club and how willing they are to spend a bit of money to solve what is a perennial problem this season. And if they don't solve it, to me, if we can't get a bit of quality in attacking positions between now and the end of this month, we're probably going to get relegated because we just will not score enough goals. So yeah. it's a legitimate We're limping our way down. We had that gap back, you know, a few weeks ago. We were talking about a gap between um, us and um, the relegation zone. Mm. Um, that's gone now. Um, but another angle, just to go on, we'll come back to strikers and attacking bits when we get to transfers. But another thing that I kind of observed was that obviously Grant is, you know, he's known for having the most fouls in the league. Um, but do you think he's kind of spent a bit too much time trying to get their, their fellow, um, the opposition midfielders booked in this game? No, I think he, part of his game is just to win us free kicks. I don't think he ever, ever tries to get players booked. Maybe I did think, once or I twice think, don't think him and Norburn were at the referee all the time in this game. Norburn was. I think they were... Yeah. But you're surprised. Turn it around. Then are you surprised that their midfielders weren't booked for Bolt, for Blackpool? I, I think that Grant was unlucky. He got fouled like five, six times in the first half, didn't he? But it was always seemed to be a different player. I think that I think that they wound the ref up. Mm. Him and him and Norburn are always chapping to the ref, and I think the referee was almost determined not to give it. Obviously, I can't prove this. The only no. way to do that is actually asking the ref, but. I almost think that he, he they they wound him up so much the referee was refusing to book him because you know in a normal game you would have expected quite a few yellow cards. Mm, Norburn um, is particularly match. mouthy and trappy, isn't he? You see him doing yeah. quite a lot more. I think Grant's just a bit more perfect, not professional than that. He's just a bit cuter. Do you know what I mean? But there's times when he he was whinging and yeah, he I was, was looking to the ref when he could have passed the ball forward. So I don't know. It's just something that just, for me just I observed um, on the game on Saturday. Uh, but the, and the, the reason Grant's the most foul player in the league is because he's too clever for him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he's, no, he's really yeah. good. I'm not not taking that away from him, but for me. It's just seemed like they were really trying quite hard to get them booked and I'd rather just focus on us going forward but it's just just a little point it's not a huge one no it's an interesting point and also one thing I'd point out is that Grant wins us a lot of free kicks and we very very rarely score from free kicks you know you might as well not bother winning free free kicks kicks. in our defensive areas I just think near the halfway line (laughs) um, and takes a bit of pressure on and he does help so I'm not taking that away from him but I think for me, it was, he was trying a little bit too hard. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't but, really notice the ref during the game, to be honest with you. It was just, it was nothing going on in the game. The ref didn't really have anything to do with too much, did he? So, I don't know, it was one of those games where I, do, I didn't really pick up on the referee, but you, you obviously no. did, so interesting. Yes, but I think, to take the positives, um, you know, we had a clean sheet. Um, the team yep. did a lot look a lot more solid, and we did look a threat um, in, the, in the wing-backs formation. Um, obviously, Bolton isn't going to be a, a massive threat on that flank, but obviously Haynes is. I think Haynes is doing well as a fullback, so I think he can be a fullback on both. Um, and obviously, yeah, you get two strikers on, but you know, having um, having Gilead and sorry, Laurent and Faye, uh, you know, 
up front. It's it's not a, it's not a, for me. It's not a winning formula. Um, and Faye didn't no. really have any chances. I can't remember him even having a shot. He was offside a couple of times as usual as well. Not as to, many, but uh, yeah. For, for for me, if you if you want to play that tactic now, which we do look better in than we have done in recent in recent weeks playing the other tactics. To me, it's it's quite sad. But the two players that are under threat the most for losing their place in that team, and for me, if you take away the three centre backs who are the only three centre backs we've got, for, for for me, the two players that are most under threat are Laurent because we should have a striker up there with yeah. Faye if you're going to play that tactic. And Bolton, I I really like Bolton. But who's going to play right f- wing back? I can't. I don't think he's a good enough right wing back to play that all, all the time. And I know he's played that under different managers. But we before, don't have but- anyone else to play there. <laughs> No, we don't, and that's that's what I mean. I wonder whether we might find we're, we're signing like last, you know, um, last January transfer window. We brought in Max Lowe, didn't we? Who's probably a slightly more attacking, you know, right back. And uh, you know, sorry, he's left back, wasn't yeah. he? But yeah, oh, no, that doesn't really make any sense. But you know what I mean? Uh, it was bringing in fullbacks there. Whether we would look to you know replace or improve on Bolton, I don't know. But I do think sometimes he doesn't. It's funny because he scored a goal in the week and he's had a really good week when you look at it. But if you were looking at areas to improve in that formation, funnily enough, for me, Bolton's one of the ones where I think yeah. he could improve. But then, but, but then, then at the same time, I don't think there's any harm in kind of you know maybe overloading one flank. Um, Doc as he plays no, on the no. right, so he's an attacking threat. So yeah, it's yeah. an interesting one, but I think maybe worth kind of trying to broad bring this terrible game to a close um, yeah no quality that poor rubbish and we, we did talk about their best player who I'd point it out oh to you he's class isn't he absolutely class yeah you I, I forgot I'd completely forgotten yeah you yeah. reminded me that he him and Toto um, were basically um, um, Paul Hurst were after him wasn't he in the pre-season yep. um, when yep. he was Ipswich and he's just class on the ball he's too good to be Blackpool and I'd be surprised if um I wouldn't be surprised if someone comes in and signs him because he's not only is he strong, but his his skills on the ball um, and his distribution is fantastic. Yep. He's he's one of the best central defenders in the league. Curtis Tilt, yeah, yeah. he's more of a, a Knight Percival uh, or a Connor Goldson type player than a than a Toto or a Waterfall or a Sat- or not Sattler. But well, I say yeah, to- Toto in terms of his pace and his physicality, yeah. um, but yeah, he's a very good footballer. Yeah, he seemed really good. So he was definitely their best player in the game, and um, that stood out for me. But it's funny we've both gone for the same player from the Man of the Match, really, which I'm yeah. quite surprised about. But yeah, go on, do your top three. Yeah. Um, um, so I went for for Beckles um, because I just thought he just had a an absolute Rolls Royce kind of performance. Didn't do anything wrong. Was really strong when his headers. Nothing came past him. Um, I thought he was really yeah, good. Great. I went Bolton yeah. second because again I thought defensively he was really solid um, and really good. And nothing really came, came past him. Um, and then I had to go for Arnold third because I'm for honest I was struggling for no one really performed <laughs> that well. Um, so for me it had to be the defence that kind of dominated. Sadler and Waterfall didn't really do anything for me to kind of get into here. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Beckles again. I agree with that, and I went for him for man of the match as well. So, um, yeah, it's it. It was just he's he's definitely better than Waterfall as a centre back for me. And I don't if we go back to playing four at the back, I don't want to see Waterfall playing. I want to see Beckles playing. And if anything, Saturday proved that to me. So, um, yeah, man of the match for me. I went for Grant second. Um, I thought he just was. Had enough of the ball in midfield, but he won. He won a lot of those free kicks. He was he was breaking stuff up. Usual sort of grand performance. wasn't as good as some of his other ones, but um, you couldn't really complain with what he was doing really in terms of dictating the pace of the game at the back. Um, and I, I agree. He went for Arnold as well. I mean, didn't have any saves to make weirdly, and his kicking. Was he a did bit a few right. good. He came and did a few good punches. <laughs> yes. Um, interesting, just to well. mention that in terms of shots, um, they had five and none on target. We had no. nine and only two on target, but there was seventeen fouls by Blackpool and 18 fouls by us, which kind of sums up the game. Really bitty game. I said that to you at one point. I said there's been no flow to this game. As there, no. the referee stopped, stopped for everything, and um, it just wasn't It wasn't fun to watch. And I had a much nicer time in Blackpool that morning when I took the kids up to the top of the tower and had some chips and went in the arcade. I mean, the football was sort of secondary on Saturday, really, because it was a dull game. And um, 
yeah, that's it really. Wrap it up with Rickett's comments and we'll move on because I, I was bored thinking about that game. <laughs> yeah, so Rickett said it was not a classic, a good performance. <laughs> Do you think it was a good performance? No, no, not at all. I mean, it was better than it has been recently. it was a good performance. And then he did say yeah. we were more organised, we controlled the game and we were disciplined. I agree with that. True, true. But a good performance for me means you actually score a goal, maybe? Yeah. Um, he said it was not very good, but he was good. Um, and then, you know, he said we're missing the final action, final pass and shot um, didn't happen. So, yeah, we agree from there. Everything I want from a team was there, um, but hopefully Ricketts wants some goals. Um, he said Josh is very good, just not the final bit, um, which has been, again, a bit of a we've mentioned already um, and controlling the team and one thing is I don't know whether for me the club and the the manager is being sensible and playing a bit of a game but let's be clear like Blackpool are poor a poor and this is a poor league I'd say this year um, they're yes, eighth in the league but you know the, this league table um, is a funny one this season there's not many points between in the top half down to the relegation zone um, so you know so you've got Blackpool at eighth with, with um, 39 points but um, Peterborough got 47, so there's a bit of a gap there. And then you can go yeah. all the way down to um, to 15th with Warsaw with only a five points difference. So, you know, you know, it's, it's not a huge gap. And this league is quite poor. And, you know, I think Ricketts was trying to, um, was playing a kind of a bit of a political game there to kind of mention eighth. And yes, it's true. It's tactically true. Um but, you know, they're not a good team and, and we should have won that game. Um, interestingly, yep. he got a bit tetchy um, when um, BBC asked about the league position. Um, he was riled about that. Um, oh dear. And then he said that, um, yeah, he wants to bring some more fresh faces and he's, you know, he's pleased he's got a, a week um, to train with the players. Lewis Cox mm. put out an article, didn't he, about, about glass half full being positive and, you know, um, about, you know, the media and the yeah, fans being positive. But, yeah. like... Come on, Rick. I know what he's doing, and I think he's doing a good thing. He's he's basically he's deflecting. He's being extreme. He's um, you know he's doing a bit of negotiation kind of positioning to to get you know people you know try and support in the team, and that that's that's in some ways quite a smart thing to do. But yeah. he needs to be careful what he says because he keeps talking about good performances and we don't score. Um, it's going to start wearing quite thin. So. We'll let him off for this one, but do you know what I mean? I, I agree with you. It's always difficult to, to have a go at the fans, and considering he was very positive about the fans. He wasn't having a go at it. He was just saying about the negativity. But, um, you know, we are, let's be clear, we are in a relegation fight. Um, and, yeah, if Plymouth win on Tuesday night, they've got two games next week, we'll, we, could be in the rele- we could be in the relegation zone. So Yeah, it's a, there's a lot of teams down there on a similar sort of points to us, isn't yeah. it? which we'll come to in a minute. But um, yeah, I, I haven't heard what Rickett said specifically about those comments, so I'm, I'm loathe to really say too much more on it. But um, yeah, you can talk about glass half full or glass half empty. We've played 28 games this season. We have 31 points, so we've only just about got a point a game, and we've got a minus six goal difference. So, you know, if you look at our league table position, our league form, our current league form, it's very difficult to look at the look at it in the more positive way, really. And um, it needs a win or two to really turn that round. And if you want to stay up, you don't need that many more wins, but it is starting to. Become we need a bit to start scoring some goals, don't yeah. we? And yeah. that's a huge yeah. issue. So, yeah, let's jump into Salad News. We can just talk about the league table um, and yep. a few other things. Given straight back to Shrewsbury Town as they build from the back again with Grant into the edge with Collins. Bobby Grant still going on to his left foot and shoots Shrewsbury Town straight into the league. So, silent news, um, league table. So, Shrewsbury Town is 17th, 31 points. Um, Gillingham are the same, and Rochdale are the same points as well. Um, mm. And then Oxford, 30 points. Plymouth, 30 points. Bristol Rovers, 28. 
Bradford 27 and Wilmington bottom the league of 23. You know, the really table is really, really tight. We're five points away from 12. So you, know, you go on a yeah. bit of a run. Um, we've only won two games back to back in the league. Um, Askey's last game and then um, Danny Coyne's first game. But if we could win a few games, we could pull up. And that's been okay. positive. The same, if we carry on as we are, we're going to go into relegation zone. Um, mm. Just a few games to kind of highlight. So Southend beat Bradford away 4-0. That was quite a good result for them. And Wimbledon lost at home 4-1 to Barnsley, um, who are a good side. Um, Plymouth beat Coventry 2-1. Sunderland drew away to Scunthorpe. Sunderland are not doing enough, are they, to get promoted this season? No, no, they're not. No. no. I hope they don't. <laughs> and um, yeah, Charlton um, beat Accrington Stanley one nil, and yeah, obviously we were quite complimentary about Charlton last week, so that's a good result for them. So, and then for me, the big result of the game, the day was um, Luton beating Peterborough four nil, um, which just shows that those players are you know are cracking on after um, Nathan Jones moved on. And it's funny because I was talking to you at the game, wasn't I? One of your on on in, enduring things we had and discussed several times in this podcast was. James Collins and him not being good enough for League One. And and I think a lot of town fans probably felt like that. He, he never really was consistent in this level for us, although he was you know more prolific than most of the strikers we've had in, in before that. But um, yeah, got another hat-trick on Saturday, didn't he? And it's, it's really showing that he, he can play at this level now. And, you know, he's starting to make a few town fans think, what if, if we still had him yeah. and he was playing like he is? But I think it's, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's, and yeah, I was wrong about that one. He's, he's scoring <laughs> the goals, which is great. I think it also just comes back to, and it comes back to something I was going to say about um, in the Stoke game, is that... It, it's not always, you know, tactics and all this kind of stuff. People sometimes think, oh, you know, you've got to play two man at front and all this kind of stuff. You know, it's tactics and and the setup to get the best of your players. And maybe mm. what the maybe when we were playing um, the way we were playing before, we weren't getting the most out of um, players and we weren't optimizing them. Um, you know, this diamond and having a, a number ten next to Collins is obviously working for them. So fair play to him and fair play to Luton. They're playing some good football and yeah, they're having a great season. I'm trying to think about the last time when we really did build a team around an attacking player. And it probably is Grant Holt. When you knew you had that quality player that you could rely on so much that you could kind of build your team around him. You know, we we do have strikers and, we, you know, they never stay here that long or they're here on loan. It's very difficult to build around players yeah, like that. Yeah, we've had quite a bit of turnover, hasn't yeah. it? It's, which, yeah, yeah, it's a nice link, that is, Glenn, to, to transfers. So um, mm. out three more. So eight have left the building. Um, I don't think, actually, is that nine, including Walker, that lad who's gone to to Wrexham but Gnu has yeah, left yeah a couple of as well yeah Gnu has left his contract was terminated um, Bryn Morris moved to Portsmouth and Emmanuel's loan <laughs> was cut short by Ipswich and also we were interested just before the podcast we came out we've seen that um, Colquette has gone to Villa mental yeah yeah, yeah. bit of a John Terry link they yeah. reckon but um, yeah it's interesting I mean if he starts playing games in the Championship of Villa you're going to wonder why the hell he couldn't well, get yeah, a sniff Morris town, goes but... to Portsmouth and then Col- <laughs> and Colquette plays for um, Villa uh, that'd be quite funny um, but on the flip side, Ollie, we are bringing in quality. We're bringing in lads who've been on loan at Oxford and not scored any league goals all season. So things are looking up. We obviously brought in Sam Smith this week, who um, you know, who am I to judge? I've not seen him play before, but you know, doesn't come in with a goal scoring record no. of any note as a striker. But that's pretty common at Shrewsbury Town. So um, yeah, you've had a report from from some sort of correspondent at Oxford, haven't you? Yeah. So there's um, so so the guy that leads the D three D four podcast, which is a podcast that covers League One and League Two, and worth listening if you want to get a kind of a bit of a feel for what's going on in League One and League Two. They release a podcast every Sunday and he's an Oxford fan and he was you know I was chatting to him and he um, he sent me I saw he posted um, quite a funny tweet about Sam Smith joining and yeah he's not overly enthusiastic about Sam Smith and his time at Oxford <laughs> um, but he was um, he was keen to point out that um, Sam Smith struggled um, as a lone striker and he's not a lone striker um, a League One, um, League Two manager was um, talking to him about how you know he's he's not a striker that can play on his own 
So that's quite interesting. Yeah. Um, and Sam Smith has scored goals in Reading's youth team and he scored goals and he's a professional footballer for Reading, a championship player. So yeah. Yeah, fingers yeah, yeah. crossed he can come good. You know, you know, why we, you know, might, you know, be a bit silly and, you know, mock him a little bit for his Cynical. not scoring in the league. Um, and he had quite a few appearances for Oxford as well. He also, we want him to do really well and fingers crossed he can um, get yeah. some goals for us. And we didn't, we didn't talk about his debut, which was pretty comical. He actually fouled opposition players more times than he touched the ball in the yeah. sort of 15 minutes. He didn't get Arnold, much to his was... feet, to be fair to him. <laughs> no, but he didn't. it was quite funny, especially when he kicked the ball deep into the... Um, he, I don't know if he was trying to get um, Lewis Cox and um, be Shropshire, <laughs> um, but he kicked the ball deep into an empty stand, which is odd. But yeah, you know, it was he, funny. He, he, yeah. he hasn't... Maybe he's even had a training session, so fingers crossed no. he can do something. But you know, for me, I, I agree with you. I was going to say on that, Ollie. You used to talk about correspondence. A friend of ours, uh, Dom Kirby, who's, who's, who's I've talked about on the podcast before, a big town fan. He somehow had ended up going to Oxford yesterday in the uh, in the boardroom. Um, I think it was some corporate thing he was doing through his work, and, and so he'd gone to that. But he he was asking the Oxford lads who he's with yesterday what they say, and they said he's a mobile, very hardworking, and technically good player. Um, but again backing up what you just said Oxford played him in a lone striker role which wasn't the best suited for him and then he said let's hope he can stay on side and find the net for us so kind of back and to what you yeah, just said it's, it's, about, it's, isn't it? it's about environments it's about you know players about managers so you look at look at Man United and Rashford now and you know he's like and Pogba and all that kind of stuff so you know it's about tactics it's about so many variables you know, he might yep. he might hopefully can come good for us but I think it's fair it's to rushed. say that what the club are doing at the moment is clearing decks yeah. um, obviously we brought in Edwards who will be on a few notes but we're hoping aren't we that you know by clearing the decks has Sam Jones left not yet no he's no, not saying he's left like we haven't he's left to get rid of I mean and if we Loft. are going to get rid of him and Loft and uh, I don't think there's many others after that we would kind of expect to leave. Uh, maybe Angle, maybe Sam. Yeah, I still, I still think Angle or Holloway. Could yeah, go I'd, I'd, I'd like to just keep Holloway. I'd, well, you've, you're not so sure. I think Holloway's a good target man. Bin him. Um, bin he him. can do a job. But yeah, I'm hoping that we're gonna the 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 budget that hopefully we're saving by getting rid of these players that we're going to um, bring in some quality because I don't think we need a lot. But we just need a couple of quality, quality players um, to come in. Is that what you're? Is that you're on the same page there, Glenn? Striker winger, we could probably do without a left back now. With Haynes improving. If you're looking at now, just spending some very focused money, yeah. I think we're gonna, we're not going to mess around with the goalkeeping issues because no. we brought that Reese Charles Cook in, didn't we? So I think striker and wingers are going to be where we spend our money. Hopefully, I think everything else we could probably get by on, and you know Ricketts can rebuild in the summer. But if he doesn't strengthen, oh yeah, those this two is positions, all about this season, isn't it? And, and yeah, getting mid table because you know we'd love nothing more than in like four weeks' time we're talking about a boring mid season mid table finish, and I think that would be I fantastic. Yeah, I don't want to be yeah. the stress of the relegation, and I really don't want to go into League Two. I really, really don't want to have to do that. So. Yeah, so Talking stress, interesting thought, interesting point, and I can't claim it as my own. I was chat- when I was chatting to Ant, he pointed out that he thinks that um, Sean Worley and Dave Edwards coming back into the team could be the quality that we already have in the squad, but could be the quality and the goals that we need to kind of save mm. the season. What do you think about that? I think he's right, but I bet you they don't start 50% of the remaining games together. I bet you at some point one of them's injured all the time. I think I think that you've got a very low chance of seeing them play games together very often for the rest of the season yeah. it might be that one of them is enough quality to, to do a bit of difference but Edwards is injury prone let's be honest about it and well he's not injury prone in his career but he's injured at he's the moment he's had quite a few injuries yeah, yeah. but hopefully he um, he's still yeah he's played a few games but I know what you're saying he's he's a bit of a risk at the moment and we haven't seen him obviously in the debut he did play he got injured and went out of green groin injury and, and- while he was on the warm-up, wasn't he, pre-match, and we were watching him, and as, and as he was walking off at the end of the warm-up against um, Blackpool, he looked a little ginger. Yeah, to he did. With you, so you, 
he's struggling to recover from his injury maybe and he did say at one of the games a few weeks back I'll be back next week but he's clearly not got anywhere yeah and he wasn't the in the match day squad again but yeah it's just an interesting one isn't it that we've got two, I have got two players coming back and Ricketts did describe Sean Mullen coming back as a new signing for him so fingers crossed so yeah Anything else on transfers, Glenn? No, you were talking about stress, and I was just going to have a very quick mention about you know buying tickets to the Wolves game, because <laughs> we're about to predict that in a minute. But I spent two hours, 50 minutes in a queue to get tickets to the Wolves game. And it was all because you couldn't buy the additional tickets. The, the club did a deal where season tickets could buy an additional adult ticket and two junior tickets. Fantastic. It's a good deal, Give yeah. Cr- and it also rewards brilliant. season ticket holders. And, and Fantastic. I agree with that. I, I can't say anything wrong with that deal other than it was a deal that Ticketmaster can't deal with so if you had, if you wanted that deal you had to go and get it down the ground now Thursday the tickets went on sale and I couldn't go on Friday because of work related reasons I couldn't go on Saturday because I was going to Blackpool so I had to go and get it on the Thursday I thought I'll leave it till 2.15 in the afternoon it'd probably be a bit quieter pitched up there Almost three hours in the queue to get a ticket, which is scandalous. Most of the time there was only two windows open. At one point there was only one window open for a short period. Um, there was nobody out there serving tea and coffee until like the last ten minutes before I got my ticket. So someone did come out eventually, which is fine. But I always assume that they're only ever out there when the press are around. So I got proved wrong on that one. But the t- t- card machines weren't working, so it all had to be done manually through the computer again. And it was just, the whole process was just frustrating. And I think, once again, that, for me, at my experience, combined with a lot of other people's experience this morning where the tickets didn't go live correct for the for the certain loyalty points holders, certain people have not had loyalty points showing up, a lot, of, a lot of other niggles that people have reported this week. I absolutely hate our Ticketmaster system, and I would do anything, if you could, to get rid well, of it. It's not just the Ticketmaster system, it's the whole setup, isn't it? And for me, the thing that's frustrating is like you see this article come out from the club about ticket sales and stuff, and I don't know, I just like the ticket tickets is clearly an issue. You go on the Facebook group any single week, and you will see a, a thread that's been recently posted where someone's had issue either phoning um, the ticket um, the ticket office. And for yep. me, I just like what two things. One is the club to accept or admit to the fan base that the service isn't good enough. And secondly, occasionally an apology just for those fans that had to wait for three hours in the cold. Yeah, and it just helpful. it just feels like a, an us and them um, situation with the tickets. Weirdly, they gave an apology to the people who were inconvenienced by half an hour this morning because the internet system didn't work properly. But they didn't apologise for the people that spent all Thursday in a queue, which was a bit weird. I think, like, and, and at the end of the day, I reckon that eighty percent of people probably got their tickets to this game with no problems, yeah. right? But twenty percent didn't, and that's and and, and those are the twenty percent of people that you just you know jerking around the whole time. They're the ones that are going to be miffed with the football club and lose a little yeah. bit of credibility. And and it's not just the fans that live. And you know, obviously, you you you're in sense, you know, you live in Shrewsbury. A lot of people, you know, who are Shrewsbury Town fans yeah. that you know live in Hartlepool or London or you know live down um, near like the Welsh borders. You know, you're not going to be able, not everyone can get to Shrewsbury. Anyway, I think that's enough on tickets. But I agree. Um, I agree. And and Brian's aware of it, and, and we're stuck with Ticketmaster. But it's worth just flagging yeah. up that. It, it, it always gets flagged up for these big games as it being a completely crap system but it is like that most of the rest of the time so the, there we go um, so yeah big game next week preview Wolves yeah um, so I thought I'd just go back and look at the last um, last few games against them so interesting yeah so um, the last six games four of them have been in the league we have to go back to um, the old League 2 division where Shrewsbury Town um, won at home 2-1 in 1984 yeah. on 26th of December Boxing Day so that would have been a nice day for town fans um, and then, yeah, the, the following fixture, it was in April um, 1985, and we won a 1-0 one, one away, so that was great. 
Um, since then, um, it hasn't been as um, fantastic for Shrewsbury. Wolves beat us 6-1 in 1991 um, in the League Cup. And we also, yeah, there was also, and then we beat them 3-1 home. And then obviously more recently, we played them in 2013-2014 season yeah. where they beat us 1-0. And we had that 0-0 um, away um, point um, at the Molyneux. Did you go to any great. of those games? Yeah, I went to both those games, yeah. I remember, was it, we were talking about it on the way at the ground, It was, I think it was either Curtis Main or Adam Reach, I can't remember which one of them, Mr. Sitter in one of those games and, and someone else, Mr. Sitter in another game. We had chances to equalise in the in the Wolves game at home and we had a chance to win the away leg. So um, we, had, we had a good go at them in those games as far as I recall. They were quite tight affairs. The atmosphere was brilliant and I expect the atmosphere to be brilliant on Saturday. I don't expect it to be a particularly tight game early no. on Saturday, um, which is a shame. But um, if I was going to do my prediction, which I will do now, I'm going to go for us to lose... Um, uh, creditably 3-1 might get a penalty or, or some late goal or something but I think it was 3-1 that, that's likely to happen but I think it'll be a good atmosphere I understand it's a massive game for our fan base um, and I and I, I feel like it's a massive game and I really really want us to have a go I don't want us to get embarrassed and I'm, I'm looking forward to trying to, to trying to tweak their nose a little bit really yeah looking forward to the game it's going to be an interesting one yep. they have an unbelievable team and I don't know if you watch match of the day I did this morning, yeah. Their position, Jota's position to finish in was just immense. After after I just spent five hours in a car to see a player finish like that, um, I'm a little bit worried that um, they could absolutely spank us. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I don't think no. it's going to be um, no Blackpool Arsenal kind of scoreline um, because I think while they have like phenomenal quality versus our team, um, we don't have a team of quitters, and I don't think we're gonna. I don't think our heads will drop. I think you know we've got enough men in the team that they will not want that to happen um, for their own kind of um, dignity. So I don't think it's going to be horrendous. But yeah, I'd predict Wolves winning three 0 something like that. Um, it obviously depends whether they play their full strength team or not. Yes. So that's going to be one of the questions going into the game. Um, but yeah, for me, I think it's going to be a. You know they've got such a good team. They've really invested, um, and you know they're not the team that we last played. You know they've been completely taken over and um yeah completely heading in a you know in a different direction now i think that's fair i think most town fans expect us to lose but um you know you always go there with hope and i'll be going there with hope on him and you'll be there as well won't you so yeah. yeah i guess i guess that's it really it's a good game to look forward to this week and um you know something to sort of uh, not worry about league problems for a while and we'll come back to that next week won't we but um yeah, there we go. We've done the predictions. It's been a, it's been an interesting week. Um, yeah, lots to discuss as usual, Ollie. But uh, I guess we'll we'll catch everybody next week. Yep. Cheers, guys. Oh!